Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Emma Morrison. She's the president of JNL Building Materials. So, Emma, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you're with a uh, building materials company, which your grandfather started. That's correct. I'm the third generation. Yeah. How, how was the company founded? My grandfather and his business partner were actually certain teed roofing salesmen and just decided to go off on their own. Kind of the classic American entrepreneur story. Started the business in 1958. Eventually, it was the other family split out and it was just my family left. My dad ran it for a number of years and then I joined. Yeah. Absolutely. When I think of roofing industry or building distribution, you know, I know you have a bit of a business background through your education and sporting background. I was wondering if if it was always the plan to join the family business. So it was always the plan. I always wanted to join the family business, but my family had a rule that I had to go work somewhere else first. So I had to go after college, find another job in any industry I wanted, but work there for at least two years. And then I actually had to interview with my dad when I decided that I wanted to come back on why I was choosing to come back, you know, what I hoped to gain, what I could offer the company. So the rule was always that, you know, I could come back and I wanted to come back, but I had to go see what else was out there and not just kind of do it by default. Yeah, for sure. Tell me about this interview. Was it formal? Were there other people in this interview? No, it was just the two of us. And he was sort of just asking, you know, what do I think I could contribute to the company? What, you know, why do I want to work in building materials? Why do I want to work for a small business? You know, what was really driving me to come back? And I think it was to just make sure that it wasn't just because it was there, because it was the family business, but that it's because it's what I really wanted to do. It was informal, but it was definitely... He didn't just kind of rubber stamp it and say, yeah, of course, we'll make a position for you. I really had to sell myself on why I wanted to, to join the company. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I looked at your background. You have a basketball background. My sister has a basketball background. She was very good. You were very, very good. Just doing the interview today, you can't tell, but it said you're 6'7 and you played at Harvard. It's just not, not your you know everyday life growing up, right? Yeah, that is correct. I am probably one of the tallest women you will meet. I have two little girls that are both carrying on that tradition. They're already quite tall as well. So everyone on my dad's side of the family is is very tall and I inherited that gene. Oh, really? So the, the, the whole family. So your, your, your dad was very... Smart. My dad was 6'8". Yeah. He did not play basketball in college, but he was a giant in the industry and in, in physically and uh, <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Yeah. So was basketball something you naturally did when you were younger or were you kind of like say you're tall, so you should play basketball? So I actually hated it for a very long time. I did not want to play basketball because everyone wanted me to play. I wanted to be a gymnast and my parents had to tell me that 
you know, you're five, nine and you're nine years old. So I don't think the gymnastics track is for you, but I eventually just found it on my own. I had some friends in middle school that were really into basketball and I kind of wanted to, you know, do what they were doing and then just really fell in love with the sport, loved being part of a team, loved competing. And so I just sort of kept playing and ended up playing in college and it was definitely challenging, but really loved it. And I'm happy that I played all four years and got to meet some wonderful people. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, when you went into the business originally and you passed that you know, grueling interview with your dad, <laughs> where were you uh, put in? So I started at the counter. Well, I actually did a little bit of outside sales first, targeting architects on kind of the commercial end of the business. And then I moved into inside sales to kind of speed up the process of learning all areas of the business. So I, I worked in inside sales. Then I was doing kind of a hybrid inside sales and marketing role for a couple of years because we didn't have a full-time marketing person. And then eventually just kind of took over more and more responsibilities and then took over as the president in 2020. And I actually, even prior to that, I spent my summers interning uh, in college, doing a lot of admin stuff in the office, tracking down leads, kind of just learning the behind the scenes in the office. So I really kind of worked in all areas, pretty much except the warehouse. But I did have to do all the physical inventories and get out there and count with the guys. So I do a little bit of that too. So 2020 was your your transition. Mm -hmm. And I guess um, that was the timing wise, you felt that was the right time that you agreed to that that, that was the time you could sort of take over from, from your dad. Yeah. So he was still at the time, he was still coming into the office every day and he was our chairman of the board and was there in an advisory capacity. But I had built a team, a leadership team that had taken over. We had some other retirements. Our vice president of operations had been there for over 40 years. He retired at the end of 2019. Our vice president of finance had retired the year before. So it was sort of time to build this new leadership team. And 2020 was the time kind of that we just felt, you know, was the right time to, to take over in title, not just in duty. And then my father was still around as an advisor and, and we worked with him to, you know, whenever we had questions or to just bounce ideas off of him, which 2020 was a wild ride. So we were happy to have him around to kind of yeah. you know work through some problems together. What were the adjustments, you know, through the pandemic? What, what sort of adjustments did you have to make? So Pennsylvania, where we're located, was one of the strictest construction shutdowns. So there were a number of days where we weren't even sure if technically we were allowed to be operating. And so, you know, we had all kind of only been in charge for four months and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, keep people employed and, and not have layoffs and keep our contractors working. And so it was just the, I think the HR side of it was really the hardest thing to navigate. I never really expected in my job to kind of be contact tracing COVID outbreaks. So that was kind of the the plot twist that we were thrown. But, you know, once the resurgence in demand and once demand came back and building started again and remodeling started again, then it was just kind of hold on for the ride. Let's find as much material as we can and just keep going and growing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously with, um, you know, transitioning for you to take over, what sort of changes do you make? I mean, obviously this company has been around for a very long time, I guess, 60 years plus. And some of the ways you may have, you know, have changed or you, you're wanting to change. What did you see there as an opportunity for you to come in and make your mark on, on this legacy? So from, I always say that my first three years when I was kind of in a corporate executive role, we're just walking around and going and asking, why do we do this? Because we've obviously been very successful for a very long time, but that 
you know, that doesn't mean that we couldn't do things better. So I just really spent a lot of time. I started off once I moved into kind of a corporate executive role of sitting down with every person in the company and just asking them, you know, what's your career goal? What do you want to do? What do you like about working here? What do you not like about working here? What could we do better to just kind of get a baseline of who do we have? Where are we at? Where do we need to go? I think the biggest changes that I've made are with regards to technology. I mean, we've been around for 60 years, our customer service, our product knowledge, our people are all second to none. But I would say that we were a little behind in terms of the of technology. So we've made a lot of changes. We updated our ERP. We've implemented a lot of analytics, a lot of analytics software, you know, just so we have a better handle on who's our customer base you know, what's our sales pipeline and dispatching software, really just upgrading all of those areas of technology, which I think our customers are now starting to recognize and appreciate as well. Even down to like our logo and our branding, I updated that as well. Kind of just actually we we returned to kind of a more modern take on our original logo, just to kind of, you know, reference that we've been around for so long, but with a new modern feel. So I think I really changed a lot while trying to keep that core of who we are as a family-owned independent distributor that knows the region, knows our customers, so that we can you know, still be recognized by people that have been buying from us for decades, but also kind of attract a younger contractor base and new customers as well. Yeah, you definitely made a lot of different changes. Was that change easy? And you have any tips for people that are trying to make changes in their organization? No, the changes were very hard as you, I mean, completely understandably, I was changing with the ERP, I was changing things that people use all day, every day to do their jobs. And no one's comfortable with that. And no one likes that. Our old ERP, we'd been using basically since computers had been invented. So it it was a real upgrade to the one we went to. I think that my biggest advice to people that are making changes, I really tried through every every step that I was going through to solicit feedback from the people that the end users to make them have buy-in into the changes that we were making. And a lot of times they they had a lot of suggestions and ideas that I wouldn't have thought of. So again, when we when we were shopping around for an ERP, I met with a lot of the inside sales staff, a lot of the warehouse managers to just ask, you know, what do you like or not like about our current ERP? If you could wave a magic wand, what would you wish that it could do? And a lot of those things we found and implemented into the new system. So I I tried to get buy-in by just giving people, you know, some some sense of accountability, some feeling like they were being heard in a lot of these changes. It's it still wasn't easy. People don't like technology, but I think everyone's starting to recognize now how it's how it's helping, how it's impacting our customers and our efficiency and, and just all of the things we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then through the pandemic, I realized that your dad passed away with that's quite difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very sudden. It was he was had passed away from cancer, but it was only about he was only sick for about a month. So we were all caught off, you know, caught off guard. But business wise, I feel very lucky that we were so far along in kind of a transition process because we had a leadership team in place. There weren't really a lot of bumps in the road in terms of navigating that on the business front. Obviously, personally, it's very hard. And I just feel very lucky that I got to work with my dad side by side for 10 years. That's something that a lot of people don't get to do. Kind of just calling out into the office to ask questions or bounce ideas or talk about other stuff. So I feel really blessed that I had that time. Obviously, we wish it were longer. And I like to tell people that I learned from him that you can be 
a successful business person, but also a good person. I really admire how he was able to talk to anyone that came in front of him, you know, our newest material handler to the CEO of our major suppliers and and make all of those people feel comfortable and relate to all of them. And that's something that I really want to be able to emulate and something that I kind of, his characteristic that I admired the most. So I was lucky to learn from him. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, in the material space, there's some changes that are occurring, right? With the trends and things. What, what do you think some of the things that uh, you're going to focus on in the future in terms of further improvement and sort of adjustments? In terms of the materials we're selling, I mean, I think consumers are becoming more aware of, you know, where their products come from. I think green materials are becoming and sustainable materials are becoming more important. I think manufacturers are figuring out how to make it more cost effective. And, you know, obviously that's their wallets are the thing that matter most to the homeowners. So unless it's semi-affordable, I don't know if they're going to, it's going to move the needle, but I think there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out on the market, new products, new raw materials that are just making a Castagra being one, making just a, a variety of new products, sustainable products, interesting products to offer to the homeowners. So I think JNL has built a reputation in our market of being able to really create demand for new products. So we're kind of an organization that will always just give a new product a try. And I think our Salesforce is second to none in terms of being able to go out and really sell those products to to the end users and contractors and homeowners. So I'm really excited about some of the the new products that we see on the market and just kind of the direction that the industry is going. Sure. Especially with new products, not everyone has a lot of experience with launching new products. You have experience in launching many different new products. What are the keys of getting a new product off the ground? I think it's just not being frustrated that it doesn't immediately gain traction. I, you know, we've seen some competitors where they try it and, you know, if it doesn't suddenly gain traction in a couple of months, they abandon it. And we usually say that it takes about three years to really see the fruits of your labor on building a new product. So I think just sticking with it is probably the biggest piece of advice that I have for people and just having a solid plan and not deviating from that plan if it doesn't immediately work. When we launch a product, we know that it, we're in it for the long haul and it's going to be a number of years until we really take a step back and say, okay, is this working? Is this not working? And we let our vendor partners know that as well. If they're you know looking at us to build a market for a product and they're coming in and say, you know, we want X in six months, we might say that's maybe a little unrealistic. But I think, you know, having a, a longer time horizon and, and a long plan to get you there and just sticking with it, we've had a lot of success with it in the past. Yeah, that's a very, uh, I think sticking to the long term is very good. Now, looking at your background, you have Basco, which is a team thing, business is a team thing, but you challenge yourself, I think, in Ironmans. Where does that come from? That just comes from the the individual, the athlete in me that now that I'm not playing basketball anymore, I just... I can't work out just to work out. I always need a goal. But there's one thing to have a goal and one thing to climb a mountain. So were you always like this? I was always very goal oriented. Yes. My mom always likes to tell everyone she meets that I was crying at the age of three when I couldn't reach read books. And she was, you know, you're three, you're not really supposed to be reading yet. So I think I was always very driven and goal oriented. And I like the challenge of just being out on the road and triathlons and being in your own head and seeing how far you can push yourself, I think is, is a really cool feeling. And it sort of puts everything into perspective. If you're having a hard day at work, if you're facing a challenge at work, you're like, you know, at least I'm not having to run for six hours. So it's not, 
<laughs> anything is better feeling than yeah. <laughs> running for six hours if you so I guess the toughness it takes to do that makes everything else easier yeah I say that about basketball in college as well I mean the workforce was easy compared to playing college sports because you know even if you have to get up at the crack of dawn at least someone's not yelling at you to run sprints so it's really not that hard <laughs> yeah I mean what are some future goals Future goals is expand JNL geographically, I think is a big one. We want to open new branches in the coming years and then also just continue to expand product wise. You know, we're always looking for new products we can offer, new departments we can open and just to really carry on. It's a hard goal to know whether you met or not, but I think my goal is to just continue on the legacy that my my father and my grandfather built of running a company that cares about its employees, that cares about its customers, where those people are more than just a number. And I think that's probably my biggest goal in my life is to just kind of continue on that, that legacy. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>